sing with us a very special happy birthday this morning. this morning is Reverend Joe Cates 40th birthday and we have for you a special 40th birthday donut and you can eat this anytime you want to it's your birthday thank you I appreciate that and we want you to know this was a team effort mm -hmm. and on behalf of the SBRC and the congregation we want you to know how grateful we are for you, and we wish you a very happy birthday. I tell you who else's birthday it is today is my puzzle piece here, Ralph Johnson. I said, Ralph, you got my birthday. Ralph said, no, you got my birthday. So happy birthday to Ralph today, too. He means a lot to me.
Dear God, we thank you for this beautiful day and this awesome opportunity that we're able to gather here and worship you today. Lord, we pray that as the um, service continues that you would just clear our minds and open our hearts so that we could receive your message and focus on your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. I want to welcome you to Memorial United Methodist. My name is Joe Cade. I'm so grateful that y'all joined us in worship today. Whatever it took to get here, I'm glad you did it. Um, we are going to um, read a difficult text today, but it's going to be important that we understand it, that we understand what's going on with us, what's going on with God, what's going on with Jesus as we build towards Easter Sunday. 
If you take your bulletin, I want to tell you just a couple of things. The inside of your bulletin is pretty much going to stay the same now with our five practices of fruitful congregations and with a thing here where you can take notes on the sermon. The front and the back are pretty much going to stay the same with our cover and with the order of worship on the back. The 9 o'clock service is on the screen, so you don't need much of an order in the bulletin. The thing that's going to change pretty frequently is this inside flap. And that's when you are signing up for something in any way, shape, or form. And today is significant. We are not going to put prayer concerns in the bulletin for a number of reasons, but that doesn't, that doesn't mean that you're not going to know them. If you want to be part of a phone chain that calls one another when we have a concern, please write that in and please put the phone number that you prefer. It's important you put the phone number you prefer. If you want to be part of an email chain, you'll just get an email. There's no calling. There's no getting a call nor making a call. Please write that. If you want to get a list at the beginning of the month with birthdays in our church that we've compiled, we do our very best, please write that in there. And please turn them in at the end of the service. Um, there is a um, brown table in the very back. And just lay them right there. Just fill it up, fill it out, lay it back there. We're going to do this for a couple of weeks to make sure that we get um, everyone possible. Um, today is the book fair. This week is the book fair for our um, child enrichment program. We love that program. We try to support it the best we possibly can. They support us a good bit too. It's a major gateway into our church. We've never had a way for you just to take a book with you on Sunday morning and so you think, you know, I can't do it right now, so I can't do it. We're going to change that this year. Um, there's a, a simple sign-up sheet here. You put your name, the book that you took, the price of it, and your phone number. You don't need to pay today. Just take the book and make sure that you leave all this stuff and we will track you down <laughs> for the $9.95 for the, dog about the, pup, the book about the puppy. Okay, make sure that um, you take that opportunity. I'd love for Elizabeth to come in the door tomorrow and see a bunch of books gone and go, what in the world? And I say, um, here we go right here. That helps them do um, the amazing things that they do on our campus. Otherwise, I'm going to trust you to read the bulletin and we're going to get going. Let's pray together. Gracious God, we thank you for this space. We thank you for a moment of peace. We thank you for encouraging songs. We thank you for chairs and bleachers and tables and rocking chairs and coffee and snacks and for the way they draw us together. And while fellowship is significant to us, help us now, Lord, to focus on your word. Encouraged by everything that we felt as we come in, help us now, Lord, to take hard news. To understand human pain and suffering. To understand our part. And to work to eliminate it as best as we possibly can as we go towards the celebration of Easter Sunday. Inspire us this morning, Lord as we pray the prayer your son taught his disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We're going to start off with an image. Three images. Which one got you first? This is um, shameless, uh, just putting a thing out there so that if nothing else happens right, you'll remember this sweet thing this morning, right, in this sermon. These are first-time owner-pet relationships. And whether you got one from a breeder or whether you got one from uh, a humane society, or whether you're an adult, a kid, or a dog. Every single element of it is special. (laughs) My goodness, look at her. Now we feel that way. We might not react that way as much as she did, but that's real, isn't it? You feel that way. And that, um, for us, that never wears off. We feel that way every time we see them, and we go insane. We say the dumbest things we've ever said to these animals, both inside the house and sometimes in public, right? If that's, if that's you, if, if you're like me, we've walked in the neighborhood, and he's got a sticker in his paw, which I don't know how that happens up from the beach, but he got a sticker, and I sat down and pulled out, and feel, I'm like, you okay, buddy? I love you so much. People are like, look at this dude out here. Look at him out on the sidewalk with his dog. My mercy. Limitless love is your first phrase. Off that dog, that pet, whatever it may be, hamster, cat. We have lots of forgiveness for mild, moderate, and very serious mistakes from these living beings. We bring them in, we welcome them with all that we have, and we do anything, anything we can not to hurt them. Our dog was abused by um, boys in his neighborhood because we ran into the person that brought him to the kennel. And so he didn't trust me for a long, long time. And the first time I took him for a walk, we were in downtown Greenville in North Main, and the Greenville Drive led out on a Friday night and did fireworks. And we're real close. So he like, look, I didn't trust you in the first place. And now this happens. We are done. We're done. I felt so bad for him. Went back to the house. Humans are another thing. Uh, You'll see funny things on social media where you say, I'd love for my spouse the way, uh, my spouse to look at me the way that dog looks at me. Or the way I look at that dog. We keep score with humans. We nudge other humans out of the way to create space. We do several things to cause great harm to other humans. Why? Let's look at the next um, blank. Humans establish guilt in order to be innocent. Now, you may not be able to think exactly of a time when you experienced that, whether you were the person that did it or whether it was done to you, 
Pilate, I want to reinforce, last week we've read uh, for six weeks scripture passages about only hour, uh, only a 24-hour period. Last week, Pilate had Jesus with him. I picture it kind of on a um, ledge, elevated, looking out on a crowd. Didn't know why Jesus was there. He's a governor in town. He doesn't want to be in town. He's a member of the Roman government. But all these people are in Jerusalem from Israel celebrating freedom and the Roman government's afraid that they will turn and rebel. He's got this man that the Jewish leaders brought to him and said he's guilty. He is guilty. And in town for that festival, he allowed those people to say that Jesus was guilty and that Barabbas beside him, a proven criminal, was not. Let's look at verse 15. Pilate wanted to satisfy the crowd, so he released Barabbas to them. He had Jesus whipped and then handed over to be crucified. The soldiers led Jesus away into the courtyard of the palace known as the governor's headquarters, and they called together the whole company of soldiers. When have you not stood up to something that you didn't know, that you knew was not right? When have you had any control over a situation and you just couldn't deal with it? Not today. I'm too tired. Too angry. I'm too upset. Whatever it may be. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't have enough power. Whatever it may be. Satisfying the crowd. Do you know how many Romans cared about taking care of the crowd of the nation of which they occupied? Very few. Y'all just do what we say, give us your money, stay out of our way, and stay quiet. Right? There's something about him that day, even though he could do whatever he wanted. His primary motivation was to satisfy a crowd who wanted to crucify Jesus. Because they needed to establish Jesus' guilt, point to him, so that they could be entirely innocent. And that's your next phrase. Humans exclude in order to belong. Getting the feel of this, of the conflict that we have in our emotions, in our spirituality, in our faith. We establish guilt. That person is the one that's getting it wrong. And if they're getting it wrong, then we've established that. We don't have to worry about me. I'm probably getting it right because it's black and white. The other thing we do is we say, you know, there's only so many of us that can be a part of this, that can have any influence over this, that can be included. And so in order for me to be included, you've got to be excluded. This is one of the fundamental failures of the Christian faith, of the Jewish faith, of the Islamic faith, You know why? Because they're all participating with humans. And humans figure there's no way that God can love that many people. And if God can only love so many people, then that means there's a number. If there's a number, then I need to be under that number. And if I need to be under that number, then I better make sure you're above that number. And so these religious leaders, 
who have seen Jesus do or heard about Jesus doing incredibly miraculous things, people who were sick, people who were dying, people who were on the outskirts of town, all people who were entirely excluded were included. But these human beings in this moment figure the only way for them to be included is for Jesus to be excluded. Let's look at the next verse. They dressed him up in a purple robe and twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on him. They saluted him. Hey, king of the Jews! Again and again they struck his head with a stick. They spit on him and knelt before him to honor him. Mercy. you imagine doing that? Oh, you want to keep... No, go back one, please. Nope. Imagine being part of a crowd. How much do these soldiers know about Jesus? How much do they know about his path to leading uh, a new faith movement in the name of God? How much do they know about who he's helped, who he's loved, who has been joined back into the fold because of him? They don't know anything. They likely don't know many of the implications. They're likely just kids. Kids who are an awful long way from home and the connection that they feel from home and are given a big shield and given a big uh, spike or a sword or whatever it may be. And these soldiers stand around him and put things on him that would indicate a king. But in so doing, they want to mock him as much as humanly possible and bow before him. You ever let a situation get away like that? Where people are piling on another person in your workplace? People are piling on another person at your family gathering? People are piling on another person in your church? And you either A, say, yeah, what is that person's problem? Good Lord, can they not get it together? Or you you say, you know, I don't think this is right, but... I'm not going to say anything. I can't say anything. Because you want to be included. Because you don't want to be guilty. It's painful. It's hard. Let's look at the next one. The next one. When they finished mocking him, they stripped him of the purple robe and put his clothes back on him. They led him back out to crucify him. See, we, we have crosses everywhere. And we see it as a thing of sacrifice. We see it as a thing of love. We see it as a thing of connection. They saw it a thing of mortal embarrassment. We're going to make sure that you know, that your friends and family know, that everyone around here knows that you should never do this, never say this, ever again. Now, it's over for him. He's not going to make it. But any of you who've been following him, any of you who have um, tried to live the words that he's living, any of you who are thinking about living the life that he wants you to live long after his days, 
you're next. Now, what, what would that cause you to do? What are the impediments to you coming to church on Sunday morning? Fatigue. I'm just tired, man. It's been a long week. Um, family in town. Hosting. Family coming to town. Our house is a wreck. I don't feel well today. It's just blowing me up. The trees are going everywhere, and I cannot. I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about you just feel that way. Um, I don't want to see that person. I don't want them to ask that question uh, anymore. I'm paid to come here. I don't ever think of that stuff. But I'm sure there are more than that, right? Think about the impediments to these people gathering. Your leader is crucified and will die very shortly. And if you continue to follow him and say the things that you're saying, you will be. That's got to be a pretty significant tactic to deter people from gathering in faith communities. They took him off to be crucified. Let's look at the next one. This one's the hardest one. Humans harm in order to be healed. Lots of times, humans harm the ones closest them, to them in order to be healed. We experience whatever it is in the workplace, in school, in church, in our neighborhood. We hold it and we hold it and we hold it. And then we run into the person that we are spending our entire life with. Or family that we have spent our entire life with. Or a friend who's been through everything with us for the last 17 years. And what do we do? Man, we got potential to lay into them. And let them carry the thing that we've been holding. I say this primarily to church staff spouses when we're hiring someone, especially if we're hiring someone who's already part of our faith community. I say this to the spouse. You know why? Because the staff member comes here. They deal with the thing they're dealing with. They deal with the stress they're dealing with. They deal with the drama they're dealing with. They deal with the goofy boss who's always like, let's do this. No, wait, let's do this. Hey, can I text you one more time? Can I email you one more time? Right? Just for example, just bosses, you know, in general, not necessarily me, right? You go home and you give it to your spouse and say, hold this. The employee usually can give it away. The spouse usually cannot. Unless we talk about it, unless we work on it, because the spouse feels connected to this individual of which this faith community is harming by whatever they're doing. And you hold it and you hold it and you hold it until you can no longer hold it and you are deeply upset. So we work a good bit because I've been in so many different churches of so many different sizes, on so many different staffs, with so many different dynamics that I know we've got to work to let that go. Now that's not any different from y'all. Y'all are just in a, uh, another workplace. You just don't hold it against the bank more, often, more, like, more than likely. 
You don't say, I'm not going to work with that bank because that bank is hard on my spouse. Right? When we experience real pain, sometimes we have to give it back in order to feel better. We do that on a personal level. We do that on a sports level. When we see a team celebrating or a fan base celebrating across from us and ripping our heart out, we hope to one day rip their heart out in a very public setting so that they will never, ever want to participate in this thing again. Unfortunately, it happens on the national level, too. If, if we get some sense that our nation has been harmed, what do we want the most? We're coming. We have to harm in order to be healed for some reason if we don't pay attention. If we're not trying to do our absolute best. So what are the three things we're doing? We're establishing guilt in order to be innocent. We're excluding in order to be included. And we're harming in order to be healed. You cannot go in a more opposite direction than what Jesus was trying to do than those three things. And they're happening right here, right now, at the very end of these 24 hours of his life on earth. A total reversal of his entire ministry on earth. Now I want you to see a um, quote from Adam Hamilton. He's, it's, uh, he's the author, he's one of my um, heroes. Um, and the author of the book that we've based this series on, on sacrificial love. There's one more word we should hear in Jesus' suffering and death, and that concerns the nature of sacrificial love. He has set an example for us of a kind of love that alone has the power to save humanity from its self-destructive ways. Sacrificial love transforms enemies into friends. Shames the guilty into repentance and melts hearts of stone. The world is changed by true demonstrations of sacrificial love and by selfless acts of service. So that's your last phrase. Sacrificial love. I would say the biggest struggle that I have on a day-to-day basis is mixing in a salad. I don't want to. <laughs> no, I don't like grilled chicken. Uh, the way restaurants do it. I like the way my wife does it on the grill. But if I say, you know, fried chicken is there. Grilled chicken is there. There's a little heart beside the grilled chicken on the menu. But if I get it, oh man, it might be slimy, it might be gross. You know the fried chicken's going to work out. It's guaranteed. It's going to work out. It's going to be good. Right? So should I ever mix in a salad? I'll text like five people and be like, mixed in a salad today. Right? That should be the difference. That should reverse 22 years of behavior. One salad today. Right? Now, I don't struggle, I don't think, with grace and forgiveness and mercy because, goodness, I talk about it all the time. I should be pretty decent at that. 
But think about the way that we model that exact what I'm talking about with the salad. We're friendly to one person for five minutes. We hold on to this individual who's driving us crazy for a full five minutes. What do we want to do? Where's my trophy? Where's my trophy? We're going to put that. What are we going to put on the bottom of it? Huh? Tolerated idiot for a full seven minutes. Right? And then we want to get it. We want to put it up on the shelf. Hey, man, if I ever do that again, it's going to be awesome. I'm going to get another one. I'm going to put it right up there beside it. Right? Showed person at work how to do the thing that they are paid to do. Let's put it up there. Put it on the shelf. Whatever it may be. We hold it together for just a couple of minutes, and then we think, man, I'm a sacrificial giver. Um, Let me ask you to go backwards. Let's read the quote again. One more time. There is one more word we should hear in Jesus' suffering and death, and that concerns the nature of sacrificial love. He has set an example for us of a kind of love that alone has the power to save humanity from its self-destructive ways of which I've just described. Sacrificial love transforms enemies into friends, shames the guilty into repentance, and melts hearts of stone. The world is changed by true demonstrations of sacrificial love and by selfless acts of service that last longer than five minutes. We've got to keep going. Because that's what our Savior did. People think, man, this guy had all kinds of power. He was kind of a punk. He just took it from everybody. I guess that's what we're supposed to do. We're just supposed to tolerate everyone and be pushed over by everyone or else we're not a Christian. That's not what he did. He went into a town with sacrificial love and stared down death, pain, exclusion, guilt, everything to show them exactly what he felt and what he was about regardless of what was going to happen. We can think about heaven. We can think about the afterlife. The disciples showed us everybody who's ever been with him has wondered what will happen in the end. But man, we better be focusing on what he did when he was here and what we can do while we are here in sacrificial love in our church, in our home, in our workplace, in our neighborhood. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. If you'll stand and join me for our modern affirmation. This is something significant to us in this service. We feel it helps us reinforce behavior. Um, You're welcome to read along with us. You're welcome to uh, say it with us if you like. We believe in God the Father, infinite in wisdom, power, and love, whose mercy is over all his works and whose will is directed to his children's good. We believe in Jesus Christ, Son of God and Son of Man, the gift of the Father's unfailing grace, the ground of our hope, and the promise of God fulfilled. We believe in the Holy Spirit as a divine presence in our lives, reminding us always of the truth of Christ, our inspiration and strength in times of joy and sorrow. We believe our faith should be apparent in our words of love and acts of service, that the kingdom of God may be a present reality 
here on earth, here on earth, not in heaven when we're done. Here on earth, while we're still active, the love of God may be evident to people around us through our actions, our words, our sacrifice. Please be seated. It's now time for our offering. Uh, plate will come by and you can give that way. You can give electronically with instructions in the bulletin. If you're a guest today, um, new with us, new with a um, family member here, we certainly don't expect you to give. You can, um, but you can rely on the generosity of our folks. And I'll remind you one more time of that inside fold if you want to participate. for our transgressions He was crushed for our sins The punishment that brought us peace was upon Him And by His wounds By His wounds we are healed i 
What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Please stand and sing this last one with us.
starts Holy Week. We celebrate with Palm Sunday with children having palm fronds. And lots of people go from palm fronds to Easter the next Sunday. What we've done for six weeks is pour through that last day so that you have a sense of it in Holy Week. So let's celebrate next week. Let's understand throughout the week everything that we've talked about. And when we gather for Easter Sunday, we'll know what love can conquer. Please remember this over here. I'll take your bulletins in the back. Just hand them right to me. Go in peace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit go with you all. How great is our God. Sing with me how great is our God. All will see how great, how great is our God. Have a great week.